You're listening to 128, a podcast about spiritual maturity, real people, real talk, real life. Hey everyone, welcome to 128, based on Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28, which says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is a podcast where uh, we interview spiritually mature people so that we can glean from their journey of faith some principles and lessons that we can apply to our own. In this episode, I had the privilege of speaking with Randy and Linda Smith. And uh, what an amazing couple, what a great journey of faith. Their, their faith has really been forged and fashioned, I think, uh, through fire, but also there's real joy in there. And I think you're just going to love this interview. So without much further ado, let's get started. Well, hey, everybody. I am here with Randy and Linda Smith. Hey, guys. Hello. So glad that you have chosen to do this podcast. Um, we had a brief conversation at a young adult's night, and I got a brief glimpse and insight into your story and just absolutely loved it. I just thought it was great. And I'm so glad you're on this podcast. I really think your story is going to be helpful for so many. Um, and you two have been married for how long now? 27 and a half years. 27 and a half years. We'll and round it up to 28. So I am excited to dig into your stories. So uh, who would like to go first? Do we go uh, ladies first? Let's start with ladies All right. first. All right. Linda, where were you born? Uh, how many siblings did you have? Give me some backstory. Yeah, so I was born in central Illinois and grew up in Rockford, Illinois. Okay. Yeah. On the west side, which is the the side you the wrong side of the tracks, if you will. But I loved it, meaning um, it was just more diverse and lower socioeconomic. But I went to church on the east side. Now, how did you get to? So you were born in central Illinois. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely not Rockford. No. So how, why, what was the reason for going from central Illinois to Rockford? So my dad was in ministry as ah. a Presbyterian minister. And so you're a PK. I am a PK. I yeah. am. For those who uh, don't know, PK means pastor's kid. And other PKs can call pastor's kids PKs. That's true. That's the rule. That is true. <laughs> that's true. So, um, and it just wasn't a good fit, full-time ministry for him. Mm -hmm. So um, they ended up moving my parents to Rockford and um, he started started working then as a chaplain. Oh, that's people, great. Yeah. Um, and alcoholism and um, people with disabilities. Which... That's an on-call position. Mm -hmm. uh, I know a little bit about chaplaincy, and mm -hmm. that's not an easy thing. Um, how old were you when you moved to Rock Little, Rockford? Little, Little. Okay. Yeah, toddler. Toddler. Okay. Yeah. So really, you would consider your hometown Rockford. Absolutely. And so did you spend your whole childhood and high mm -hmm. school years there and the whole thing? Yeah, family? the whole thing. And do you have siblings? Yep. One older brother who um, now lives in Naperville with us in the same town, and my parents moved to Naperville. But yeah, we had I had a good good upbringing um, kind of grew up in an area that was you were protestant or catholic or nothing yeah. um and so it's great to now be in an area where there's so much faith diversity mm -hmm. um and have people of lots of different faiths and learning about their faith now did you move to naperville first and then they followed or was somebody else here first and yeah. you followed so my brother and i both he was in california for 14 years oh bless him i know i know and then you left the promised land and came here <laughs> um and i can say that because i'm from california so i'm allowed to i'm allowed to rip on california a little bit oh it's a good place though um so yeah so paul and i both moved to naperville the same year the same year and then my parents followed within five or six years so is, is it just you and paul mm -hmm. in the house so uh, which one's older paul paul so uh and how much space separates two you two? two years between older brother and younger sister mm -hmm. wow that is eerily similar to our situation so um i know my sister and i have very different um faith stories of how we came to faith. You know, when you're raised in a pastor's house, you're certainly around the gospel quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And if you're blessed with parents who are genuinely 
followers of Jesus, that's that's always a little bit different thing than we'll call it a religious pastor, religious home. And different uh, ministry homes are obviously have different cultures and different approaches. What was your experience? How did you come to faith? Was it early on? Was it later on? Was it high process, low process? How, how did you, what's, what's the story there? So it was early on. I was six uh-huh. and very logical. Yep. If Jesus died for me and wanted to live in my heart. That was, that sounded like the best plan ever. And kind of that's where it began. So very much childlike faith. Um, but well, that is you and my sister. You guys could yeah. form a club. Yeah. Like literally, I, I think almost the same ages and everything. Really? Same rationale. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. That child. And the thing about that is a lot of folks dismiss, you know, salvations at certain ages, but you should never do that because you don't actually know what's mm-hmm. happening behind the eyes. And though for some it's cultural and cultural pressure and they're sincere about it, for others it's actually not. It's actually very deeply personal and very meaningful. Yeah. And that's that's your that's mm-hmm. your story as yeah. well. And you know, just growing up hearing things like the Lord is in control, yeah, like that is foundational to who I am still, you know. Was how was that for you in the junior high, high school years going through all of that? Um, very helpful. Mm. So I have a unique story of a few days into eighth grade, I was riding my bike to, with my friend to go get lip gloss, of course, kissing (laughs) potion lip gloss at Northtown Mall. And I, um, had a bike accident, fell, broke my right hip. Mm. My left hip slipped out of place. Um, So the short version is... Um, this is a serious bike accident. This is no small bike accident. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the right hip was pinned and fixed, but then the left hip developed extra issues where Mm -hmm. the cartilage died. So I was on crutches from that eighth grade through my senior year. Oh, wow. And probably had in the neighborhood of 20 surgeries. Oh my goodness. So I, you know, the Lord is in control took on a lot of different meanings for me um, and really had a huge impact on my faith in lots of different ways. Everything from, uh, you know, the pastors wanting to pray or the elders wanting to pray over me and anoint me with oil and pray for healing and me thinking, well, if it doesn't magically heal, what will that do to my view of God? And, mm. you know, these deep philosophical questions yeah. at 16 or 14, 15. So, in um, some ways say, you know, well, what a tragedy. But um, on the, the flip side of that, you were gifted with an opportunity to wrestle with some things that some people spend the, their lives avoiding. And that is, you know, the power of perseverance, having to rely on God, asking the questions of why, why me, why this, why now? All of those questions, which are uh, really difficult questions when, especially in those years, and but really maybe for anybody in any year, but, uh, but, but just very, very difficult questions. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity to wrestle with them in a meaningful, significant way isn't something that a lot of young people are gifted with. In some ways, thankfully so, but I think in other ways, maybe to their detriment, right? Because you do learn something about God there that you otherwise might not learn. Oh yeah, a lot about God. Were your parents, were they, I mean, they must've just hurt for you. Oh yeah. Was that that hard for you to see them hurt for you or how was that from your perspective? Yeah, at times for sure, I mean, it impacted our whole family. Yeah. I mean, so I was well, 20 surgeries. Yeah. 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 And they were in Chicago, okay. um, down at what used to be children's Memorial. Now it's Lori's. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an hour and a half away. Yeah. So we would go to the hospital and my parents would stay at Ronald McDonald house and Paul would stay with somebody else until he was old enough to stay alone. So yeah, we, we did My it goodness. as a family yeah. and, and did okay. So. And it pulled, did it pull your family together? Some families, when they go through tragedies, yeah. they break a little bit. Other families, they pull in tighter. How was it for your family? I would say we pulled in tighter. We really worked as a team. Mm. And I think that's something we continue, you know, in our current family, just sure. that 
teamwork mentality. So the day you get off crutches is a big day. And you said it went to your 12th grade? Yeah. So like, it's a graduation in so many more ways than just one, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a big day. What happens then? You graduate and you go where? So I went to community college Mm -hmm. uh, for a year, honestly. Great choice. Yeah. I kind of wasn't ready to leave my doctors. Like, you know, that was such a connection and I relied on them a lot. Mm -hmm. So did a year at community college and then headed off to Illinois State. Illinois State Redbirds. Yeah. Illinois State Redbirds. Now, um, for those of you who are tuning in that that don't know about Grace Point, Grace Point is the church that uh, that I have the privilege of pastoring. The Smiths go to, um, but there's quite a few Redbirds. Yeah. At Grace Point, do you guys is do you guys have a little sub club? Is there like an organization I'm not aware of? Do you guys call no. each other in the foyer? Or anything no, like that? we don't. <laughs> I don't know what Redbirds the Redbird call I is. But maybe something like that. All right. Well, Randy, how about you? Um, I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Steel Town. Steel Town, yes. Steelers fan? Oh, yes. And it was really nice when I moved to Downers Grove in 1975, and then the Steelers won like four out of the five next year Super Bowls. Those are the Bradshaw years, right? They were. They were very good years. And Lynn Swan. Lynn Swan. Ooh. Yeah, Franco Harris. Steel Curtain. Jack Lambert on the D. Yeah, so. Pittsburgh uh, was a hard town, though, at that time, wasn't it? It was a pretty... Gritty. Gritty town, smoky yeah. town. Yeah, yes. Yeah. The, and what's interesting is I have these vague childhood memories of kind of the dirt and, and the grit and steel mills, and they're all gone. So oh, the yeah. areas. Uh, Pittsburgh's really cleaned up. It really has. That city's yeah. turned around. And it's reinvented in itself in a good way. And it's just a fun city to drive. So if you ever want a good drive, go to Pittsburgh. Um, but my parents moved here in 1975 when my dad took a job at Argonne National Lab. Yeah. Is an environmental engineer. He had worked with air pollution control in Pittsburgh. Um, for whatever reason, took a took a job here um, <clears throat> in the house that they bought in '75. They're still living into this day. Wow. Um, I have one sibling, nine years younger. Um, so there's a kind of an age difference. Virtually no distance there. Nine years. <laughs> yeah. So much so that like uh, after college, uh, when I was trying to get a first job, I would sub by day, and I actually subbed it while she was in at Downers North High School. Do you um, guys, did it, what, now how was that for you guys? Did it feel like you were both raised as, um, you know, sometimes when the distance is greater between siblings, mm-hmm. it's like, no, we were both only children. Just by the time the other person came in, that was somewhat of a shift, but but it felt like we had a lot more attention. How yeah, was that was, for you it was guys? different, yeah. Because um, I know you're not an only child. I get that. She's not an only child. Right. And you, you love each other and all of that. But I mean. It was exciting having a sister. Yeah. Um, I think that was, it was a change. Um, but I didn't, I don't remember much of the days prior to that. Yeah. Right. So I was in third grade. I remember going home, being told to go home to a different, you know, student's parent's house that day. Yeah. Because I assume mom was having her baby, right? Yeah. Or her baby, the baby, whatever. Um and, and so, yeah, I mean, it is interesting that I think Linda and her brother are closer than my sister and I, and I think some of that is age, and maybe some of that's that kind of shared journey they had yeah. as a family in that. Um, but and, so were you protective older brother? Were you like, get out of the way, here comes my sister? Or were you, was it more like, okay, here? No, I don't think I was protective, but it was an age distance. So, yeah. you know, I'm in college, right? And she's nine years younger. So I'm, I'm in yeah. college and in grad school. So two different lives. Yeah, yeah. I missed a lot of kind of those growing up kind of formative years in that sense. So you, so 75, you come, mm-hmm. do you come to Naperville? Where do you go? Downers Grove? Downers Grove. Downers Grove. Yep. And your parents are still in Downers Grove? Still are. Right. Yep. And so, um, so you graduated from where? Downers Grove North High School. We were Trojans. Trojans. Being a history person, I never know why you want to name yourself after losers in history, but nonetheless, well, it has a mystique, I guess, or something. What a Trojan. <clears throat> so. um, do you, <laughs> do uh, how did you come to faith then? Yeah. Um, was that, First of all, was it in your childhood years or high school no, years? No, high school. It was in your high school yeah, years. So part okay. of why I love teaching high school is that I realize God's not done with kids yet. Okay, full disclosure, you teach high school. You just said it. So. Mm-hmm. You want to say what you teach and where? Sure. Uh, I'm a social studies teacher at Naperville Central. Naperville Central. What? What? Big shout out. We are the, my youngest the, graduated oh, from Central. Oh, yeah. We are the Red Hawks. 
Red Hawks, so, yep. Uh, not to be confused with the Red Birds. Not the Red Birds. And I know that right. because I've been chastised on multiple occasions for that. Well, there's a Red Bird. Okay. Well, Red Raptor, that, that'd be kind of a cool name. But yeah. anyway, the Red Raptors. Um, so high school. Yeah, so uh, this phrase sometimes I use is, I was a pagan till Reagan. Now, it had nothing <laughs> to do with Ronald Reagan. Um, but it was in the I I'm sorry, that. I've never heard that before. <laughs> that is amazing. I was a pagan till Reagan. Okay, um, got it. So in, in uh, <laughs> junior year of high school, my mom, or what I, and really because of my sister. So my sister plays a, a significant aspect in this. Um, my sister had gone to like a vacation Bible school. Oh, VBS. So a VBS yeah. at some church. You know, to me, it was just some church, right? Mm -hmm. I <clears throat> had no interest in church, had no interest in things of faith. Uh, was a man of science and reason and evolution was right and creation wrong and would, was honestly in my probably early years of high school was kind of aggressively mean to some Christians in school. Was your um, was your family particularly religious as you were growing up? No. Um, it's interesting because there was a time, I think, when I was a kid that there was a lot of kind of devote religiosity in the family. Mm -hmm. um, but to my recollection, none at all, really. Mm -hmm. um, maybe maybe twice a year, if even that. Yeah. Um, so religion was usually, religion was usually the butt of a joke, yeah. um, if anything. Um, so somehow I think my mom wanted my sister to get something that I didn't have. Um, and uh, so, they, so they go Bible to that school. vacation Bible school. I think I remember going to the end of the thing ceremony or whatever. Yeah. Then comes fall and my mom decides to sign me up for some confirmation class hmm. at a Presbyterian church um, in Downers Grove. And, um, you know, Mike, uh, no interest, mom, not really interested. I remember the class was Sunday night at six o'clock and I went out and mowed the lawn prior to that just to avoid. Yeah. And, uh, I'll do anything. Allergies were bad for me at that point of life. And I came in and like, eyes were king and <laughs> I just felt miserable and showered and walked out and there's my mom dressed up all real pretty. And I'm like, dang, she's serious about this. Oh. So I went to the class, and of course, I'm a junior in high school, and everybody in this class By is way, that freshman. Shows, that shows a lot of love to your mom, right? Because some some people mm -hmm. have said, no, no, I'm not, even with mom. Right. But you looked at your mom, you're like, she's all dressed up, uh, just out of consideration go. for her. Yes. You know. It was. So I went to the class, and they're all freshmen, and, and like, they know each other. They're giddy happy. I'm feeling miserable just yep. right then and there. And like, I have no interest in being with any of them and would like to just unleash and tell them what I really think about all this. Um, but I have some level of discretion in life sometimes. Um, and God used in a weird way. It wasn't like some people like they needed to know God loved them or they needed somebody to care for them or whatever. Um, I actually needed my mind to be engaged in thinking about the things of yeah. Christ. Yeah. And so the class had home. First of all, the class had homework. Like, come on. And you're supposed to go to church for some time. Like, come on. Like all these. <laughs> oh. So I remember that that next day, that Monday, I said, Mom, I, uh, this shows where my heart was. Um, I'll go to this class. I'll do what's asked of me. And, and then I can just be done with this. But I want to honor you in that way. Mm. Um, so you, you were right in, in what yeah. you observed earlier. Um and one of the homework lessons um, was about uh, characteristics of God. Mm. So if you could name a certain number, then when it came to the test, you would get some bonus pizza. So food is an incentive. Ah, work miracles. Yeah. Um, but I'd pull out some of my parents' like old like theology books, and there were like big words like omniscient and omnipresent and omnivorous. No, not omnivorous. But <laughs> I'm like, oh, those like so it got my mind engaged, right? Uh -huh. And one of the things that became very clear to me there was that the way I viewed God um, was different than how it was being described in the scripture here. And the characteristic was different, right? If, if God was forgiving, um, there would be true, complete, like, wash the slate clean forgiveness. I forgive you. Sure. And I can stab you. I will. Right. Or love would be um, the image of love in the Bible is so different than for me, love was a conditional thing, right? You could give yeah. so you could get kind of concept, right? Where God would give simply because it would benefit the, the receiver. Um, and I thought, those are different than me. Hmm. And that got the mind engaged. I remember one week, the lesson was on John chapter 3. 
you know, Jesus, you know, the first Nick at night, right? And and the, <laughs> sorry, the, I enjoyed that one too. That was good. That caught me off guard as well. The, um, <laughs> if you the, reference Larry Boy in this podcast at some point, I can try. I'll see. If bonus points. All right. Um, but like one of the questions was, you know, what does it mean? And, and I wrote first. Well, I can read a text, and okay, I could write that. And then they asked, "Are you?" And I'm like, "No." It was clear to me that at that point in my life, no. Well, the the teacher of the class wrote like read the actual homework you did and mm-hmm. wrote comments. And Randy, I'd like to talk with you about this. Oh, no, I just ignored that comment. At the end of the year at the pizza party, by the way, I did get the bonus thing. So I was invited to the pizza Congratulations. party. Thank you. Um, and um, I pulled him aside and said, hey, John, there's this question. Um, and I would, the answer is different than what I wrote. Um, so for me, the confirmation that came out of that class was a heartfelt confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were some that were going through the ritual of this is what I do as a freshman at this church, a coming of age ritual. Um, yeah. For me, it was uh, a coming to faith. Wow. Um, and interestingly enough, I think in our whole family, there was kind of a, an exodus to the church, <laughs> ironically. Um, and so... Uh, That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so for me, the um, that that church had a lot of people that were connected with InterVarsity Press, which is also in Downers Grove. Yeah. Westmont now, but still Downers Grove. IBP, shout IBP. out. IBP, I love it. Um, and so it was kind of faded that when I went down to U of I, the Illini, um, back when they were fighting Illini, I guess. But anyway... Um, that uh, probably university was the course that uh, they kind of the ministry I would get connected with, and I guess some people from the church already called down and said, "Hey, check out this guy, etc." Um, so you, so you, so you chose. Okay, I'm going to follow your heart. You had his heart conversion, um, and now you're coming out of high school, and you go to the University of Illinois. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. But uh, Linda, you're at Illinois State, mm-hmm. so these are two very different places, mm-hmm. right? And I'm just curious to know, did you guys meet your freshman year at all? No. Okay. So that first year of college is one of those seminal, pivotal years in the lives of so many Mm -hmm. young believers. How did you navigate that first year? In some ways, you know, you're both coming out from two very different perspectives. One from childhood, Mm -hmm. from early on, then following, but you have this remarkable, um, core that's been fashioned from from the furnace the other coming out of high school where you really you were antagonistic and then suddenly well you've had a heart change so in some ways going into uh hostile i use hostile in quotes because it's not always hostile but definitely an environment where you're on your own two feet and having to navigate faith and life how was that first year for both of you Probably very different. So mine, um, because I was on crutches for that five years, I feel like the whole dating part of my life was not a thing Mm -hmm. because, and I never really knew why, like you kind of think maybe it's because I'm on crutches, but then you're insecure. So you're like, maybe it's not because I'm on crutches, but had absolutely no no one show interest in me. So for um, I'm gonna take my job off the desk. <laughs> so I think when I finally got off crutches, then my girlfriend said it was my coming out summer. So like now all of a sudden right. you know guys are interested and and because I did, you know, I definitely had a faith um and awareness. Yeah. I remember some guys now that I had liked were interested now that I was off crutches. And of course I was very quick to let them know that that would not be happening because nothing had changed in me. Oh, that's um, great. So, but that doesn't, but then I still managed to find lots of other guys to have. Sure. You know, sure. Sure. Yeah. All that. So um, I think my first year away was a little bit of like checking out the party scene. I also was um, very open about my faith. And so I remember people like it was kind of the rumor that I was the Christian on the floor. So these other two friends who I'm still dear friends with came up to me and said, are you a Christian? You heard you were a Christian. And I was like, yeah, why? Like, yeah. you know, it shouldn't be a you know, secret or whatever. 
Um, and they were involved with Navigators, so I... Navigators, um, such a great organization. Very good. Yeah. Not a good fit for me. Yeah. Um, to, to rule bound, quite yep. honestly, for yep. me. I remember, you know, talking to the leader about, well, why shouldn't we be praying with you guys? Because they would always have us divide up. Like, yeah. If we're supposed yeah. to... That's a whole thing. Marry yeah. a guy, like, you want to get... Should we should we start practicing that? Yeah, that was my theory. And they brought this little book out. And I don't remember what the book was. And I thought, oh, this is not the right one for me. So my brother um, actually signed me up for an InterVarsity hey. retreat. He said, InterVarsity. Yeah. He's like, I signed you up for this. You just got to get a ride in Northern. It'll be good for you. And I'm like, okay. So. That's how I ended That's up fantastic. with the varsity then, which was a great fit, perfect fit. Um, a little more social, yep. very evangelistic, got involved with discipleship right away. So. Fun, not so in crazy intense, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You could mark your Bible up any way you wanted to. I know, <laughs> which I still do. And by the way, I have a deep love for the navigators. Absolutely, oh, me too. And I've, I've been to Glen Erie and all that, but you're exactly right. Yeah. There's just different cultures yeah. to different Christian uh, college ministries Absolutely. and sometimes it's just finding the right fit. Yeah. You know, and for, for that's you. important. To yeah. Play. Randy, what about you? So you get the, you get to college. Yeah. University um, of Illinois Champaign. Yeah. And it was interesting cause, um, I, I knew I wanted to get connected with believers, but I also knew I wanted to live my life, whatever the word might connotate today, but as an evangelical, yeah. um, in the world. Um, I, I still like the term even. I do too. I, I know that's I, kind I, of I'm falling not, out of fashion for political reasons and other right. reasons, but, and, and I agree, it's gotten a lot more murky in yeah. later years, yeah. but, you know, originally it just meant people who were really committed to the gospel. Yeah. That hasn't changed, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm looking for it, right? And the first night you're there, um, you know, you see some ads for a popcorn party for InterVarsity. Um, you attend, um, there were 10 freshmen, all kind of like us looking for connection yeah. and a place to be. Um, and, uh, it was such an interesting contrast, right? I got together with some high school friends. I don't, I don't remember the order of nights here, but suddenly like something that wasn't really an issue in high school, there's alcohol. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, okay. Not interested, but like right off the bat, it's just like, Oh, you're going to have choices to make. It was pretty clear in the first couple of days. So like. Ooh, we had this popcorn party and went and played hide and seek in a graveyard. Like, you know, the guy that won one because he laid down in a freshly cut tomb. But anyway, or that, you know, that was a little weird. But anyway, he was an interesting guy. Um, Co college years. College years, right? <laughs> um, but it was such a, a contrast. And what also struck me is there were three guys um, that were all seniors living in the dorms. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, weird. Um, two of them were RAs, another one just stayed, and, and their heart was to hand, was to not see, uh, they wanted a ministry to continue mm, in great. that dorm, in that place, right? Wow. And it was kind of the 10 of us that were the people uh, that were kind of ultimately handed that torch. That's so, incredible. Yeah, so it was, it was neat, and that very much became a home, um, all contrasted with... Uh, my dad meets the RA, and the RA goes, we have a really spirited floor. All right, walks away. We're walking to my room, and my dad goes, "That means there's a blank and a lot of stuff going on." And somehow, my dad could understand that. Like, I'm like, "Okay, spirited floor." <laughs> it was a floor that when you then yeah. go all around campus and say, "Hi, I live on ground south of Allen Hall," people go, "Oh, oh it's one it was of those. this counterculture, hippie, heavy drug use floor kind of thing." Um, it kind of fit maybe the Jesus hippie counterculture part, but not all the other stuff. Um, but hey, it was really interesting to just. You're too young to be a hippie. Come on. Now. Right. No, I know. But I did have long hair in college. Oh. I had hair, first of all. <laughs> Radio, it's a good thing. Yeah. Our podcast. Um, so, but but it did, it was a great place to engage people. And you you made some early choices that sounds like were really, really mm -hmm. good, good choices. Okay. So one of you is at the University of Illinois. The other one is at Illinois State. You're both involved with InterVarsity. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point do these two worlds collide? So we both went to a leadership camp up in Cedar Campus, mm -hmm. Michigan, um, called School of Leadership Camp. That was like six weeks. Mm -hmm. And we it was excellent. Um, such a great growth experience for both of us. 
we didn't really talk during that camp, but we did have like, we recognized each other from the camp. And then that fall, there was a downstate or um, retreat. So in a varsity retreat. So that's when, you know, at this point we had realized, all right, we both were in the leadership, you know, thing. So that meant we were really solidly invested in our faith. And we went with somebody who we can't remember who it was. We snuck out of one of the sessions and went and went to to Hardee's. Got, I don't sneak out of things. I don't Hardee's. skip class. And I went to Hardee's. Like, Hardee's. Oh, what's going on here? So. Hardee's is, isn't that basically like an Arby's? Yeah, I think so. Or burger. Burgers. Yeah. Burgers. Yeah. Burgers. Burgers. Well, Arby's stands alone, I think. <laughs> well, they have that special sauce in the roast beef. It's really, really, really good. So, so, yeah, that's when we started to get to know each other. But we, it took us about five years before we. Mm-hmm. Really? So yeah. it's a kind of a long relationship. Yeah. Who realized it first? Who was like, oh, I think this is, I think I'm falling hard. Well, well, Which one well there's you? stuff before that. Like, so InterVarsity had that Urbana Missions Conference every, usually three every years. three years, right? Um, and so after we had met, uh, since it was usually, it used to be at U of I, now it's in St. Louis, but it used to be at U of I. So like, hey, we were kind of the host school and it was really neat to have 20,000 people come into campus and kind of give you a vision of, gosh, maybe what it would be like if, if we kept doing the Lord's work there and yeah. hearts were changed. Um, but I remember that uh, Linda was coming down to that conference and I was RAing a fraternity. I was never in fraternity, but they needed people to like, you know, who knew the campus and a building and et cetera. So like, yeah, we'll sign up. And uh, her and her brother came by. Um, so that was probably Urbana 87, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and then, like, she was at ISU, like, I was at U of I. I, I asked her once to come to a play. Um, so she drove in from ISU. Um, and we went to a play uh, together with some of my friends and things. Um, but, I mean, just yeah, you know, sure. nothing was, like, totally. You Should I repeat, my, orig- say or repeat I my original question? I was just curious to know, uh, who knew first? Is this your way of, like, avoiding the... Uh, no. no <laughs> we both kind of gradually realized or... She thought I I put him in the category of a really nice Christian guy who couldn't make up his mind. Ah. So at one point I he went to the Philippines for a summer. I went to Europe for a summer, both on missions. Wow. And this is back before the internet. Sure. And so I we did our missions follow-up letter to each other. And I didn't put a return address on mine oh. because I thought, well, if he wants to find me, he has, he, he will need to figure that out. But I'm kind of done with this. Back and forth to yeah. see whether he's. I'm like, he's a nice guy, but he's got to like. He's got to decide. Yeah. And he thought I was just. I thought she just forgot to put the address on her. <laughs> we were into our dating did you years. feel? Did you feel particularly indecisive or? Yeah. Well, I... No, but like she was off another campus and she had just graduated. I knew she was done after that summer of 89. She was done. I stayed at U of I for two more years for my master's degree. Um, and so I didn't kind of know where she went. But then in Urbana 90, Urbana 90 um, in the big armory with thousands of people, we bump into each other. Yeah. Um, and I say, hey, where are you? And she goes here. And I'm like, no, duh. Like, no, where are you? She goes, no, I'm here on campus. Oh. I'm like, well, that's interesting because I'm going to be back on campus. The previous fall, I'd been student teaching, living at home. And so then I was going to be back oh, well, on campus. You started campus. doing math as soon as she said that. Well, I, started, I knew I was going to be back. She yeah. had kind of asked you around You started doing a little algebra there. You did. But she had asked around to me for that fall and found out that uh, he was, you know, up, up doing student teaching. Um, but when she came back, uh, there was a, a message on her answering machine. Remember what those things are. And um, and I had sent her a little letter. So there were two things for her uh, when she arrived. So I don't know if that was making a move or not. I thought, oh, it, it, it's going to happen this time or it's, are we done, done? Yeah, yeah. So, and we basically studied and were very close all that semester. But the wow. first night she was in town, she called me and I went over. We had a delightful evening just hanging out and talking. We cooked some jiffy blueberry muffins. Right. Um, I got it. So basically, you know, um, I'll never find out who, yeah, I, who 
first. Well, no, decide, wait, wait, wait. Who, what who did you write in know? that journal two weeks after that? But that's okay. Linda. That's okay. No, it's a, no, we, we'll just keep going. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Bottom line is you waited for him to make up his mind. God kind of brought you guys around together. You guys kept dating. And then eventually you got married at some point. Happily. Someone confessed. Happily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens afterward? You guys, you're now married and you're down. You're, are you still in that area? Did you get married in that area? Or where'd you get married? No, we got married at her church in Rockford. Okay. Great. Um, with, uh, I think another interesting curveball for me in grad is after the Philippines. One of the things um, is I realized putting myself in a position of, being a minority uh, was challenging and grew me and stretched me and yeah. opened my eyes to things I didn't see. Yeah. Um, and so um, one kind of a narrative from the Philippines, but two, when I came back um, those two years of grad school, I was attended a, an all black church in Champaign Urbana um, and was a phenomenal experience, yeah. um, rich and rewarding in terms of depth of preaching, but also uh, the first time someone calls you brother, Randy, yeah. Uh, you realize something was, you're seeing, being seen differently um, and humbling and beautiful and so forth. So that pastor actually, um, Married asked, yeah, was oh, the one awesome. who officiated our wedding um, in Rockford. So that was kind of cool. And so did you stay in Rockford then? or No. So we were both living and working in the suburbs. So okay. we got an apartment in Woodridge. Okay. And I was working out in all-white rural in yeah. Morris, Illinois. Social work? Social work. Yeah. High school social worker. Randy was working in an all-black urban school yeah. um, in Chicago. So we lived in Woodridge. and it's Kind of the middle commuted. ground. and kind of Yeah went out and then came back and mm -hmm. boy some i bet you guys have stories and experiences that you were just well, per, first of all what a privilege is to be able to trade some of those over a kitchen mm -hmm. table and yeah. talk about those um kids yeah so four years in four or five years in mm -hmm. um we had our first daughter sierra and we were living we bought a house in berwin and got involved with um an awesome church in oak park Judson Baptist. Yeah. And so at that point, then I quit my job and Randy, we were living on one private school salary. Which she was retired fun. like Michael Jordan. basically. Yeah, same year he did. Yeah. So. Yeah. Was there a last, last dance that was made of? No. No. Yeah. And so then Sarah? Uh, two years later, um, Whitney, our second daughter was born. Oh. Um, so we have Sierra and Whitney. Yes. There's a kind of a, mountain theme there and uh, the sierras and the tallest mountain in the sierras whitney um and then, and then everest and no then no came. but then third uh, our third daughter um is named mckinley oh yeah um, and that leads us to a whole different story of of life and challenge um, yeah and so all three of our girls were born at hinsdale hospital mm -hmm. um where my mom had worked in the kind of newborn unit and so forth um and uh because of, of Linda's hip, uh, we knew that all deliveries would be C-section. Yeah. Um, so we were in some senses given the freedom to choose a little bit of birthday and we chose April 7th, mm -hmm. um, coming up in two days. And after she was born, um, you know, the, she was basically, there was, there was, it was clear there was something wrong. Um, and so it's an amazing weird thing the heart does is it the blood flow changes direction upon birth some a valve a little VS, vsd closes and it causes the blood to flow a different direction uh they gave it some gave her some drugs to keep it open so that blood could continue to flow as it had been uh long story short we found out later that day uh, that she had a congenital heart defect hmm. um that you wouldn't have known about prior to unless you had done a really high level ultrasound there's no need for that um, so the next set of days, uh, later that day, she's taken to University of Chicago Hospital. Um, a couple of days later, uh, the first of a few different surgeries um, to try to repair a little, basically a little one of the valves that's, uh, the heart's about the size of a good ripe strawberry. Um, and uh, that was one of those journeys of faith. Um, of that's a hard pain um, hard so yeah pain. so she lived 50 days ended up dying of infection mm. um so probably the heart was fixed to some extent um surgically 
Um, and yeah, not what you, <laughs> yeah, not what you, uh, reunion, not what you want to order for people. Reunion um, one day. Yes. Yeah. Reunion one day. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry that that had to have been heartbreaking, especially for a young family, two other daughters, um, and the, the hope of that. And then praying for healing, a lot of prayers for healing. Mm -hmm. And then God says, okay, ultimate healing. And you're like, well, that's, that's not exactly what I was mm -hmm. hoping for. Mm -hmm. um, how did you, you know, that's a, that's a time of a lot of questions. Sure. Um, did you guys, how did you emerge from that? And I, I know in some ways it's, it's mm -hmm. always a raw spot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's what loss does, right? It's mm -hmm. it, people think that loss kind of, you just get over it. You don't really, it's, it's always there, but, um, but you appreciate the love that mm -hmm. goes with the loss. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I think one of the things we saw was, um, I mean, I just, I picture Moses at the battle and he needs his arms held up. Right. And then, yep. It, you know, that's maybe the original, it takes a village to, to win a battle, let's say. Um, and we really did feel the, the power of our friends and family um, and just so many people holding us up in that way. Um, this is like the power of church, really. Right? It was. It was the body of Christ. Faith. Yes, undoubtedly. And that's um, the thing. That's, that sometimes you just need, you need to borrow somebody else's faith sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, even, if you're, even while you're walking and you're carrying your own mm -hmm. faith, there are just times where you just need other people to carry you. You know, yep. and so that's also a really humbling thing, though. That's not an easy thing to receive always, mm -hmm. but super appreciated when it happens. Yes. And I think that it, for us, the other, we want to reaffirm the beauty of the body of Christ being the body of Christ. Yeah. And two, it reaffirmed that we actually believe this stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there might have been some handshaking and et cetera, the sky. Um, but it's like it was a rock that carried us through. It was our rock, right? In Christ that carried us through, uh, you know, a time we wouldn't want to wish on anybody. So. Absolutely. Some amazingly beautiful moments, honestly. <clears throat> Very powerful um, in terms of prayer and community. Um, being in a young family invested in the church was crucial. Mm -hmm. I'm. You know, so there I was after I had given birth and they took our daughter away. I sent to University of Chicago. I sent Randy to go there. So I'm in this hospital room all by myself, just hot mess. And different friends came um, from the church. And my mom still remembers the beautiful prayer that one woman prayed about confession of how we make our kids a God. Mm and how this was an example of us, you know, um, being sinful and our need for God truly to show up and mm. heal and carry us through. I mean, it was, it was very powerful. Our pastor, um, Pastor Jackson, because pretty much she lived for 53 days, but they thought she was going to die pretty much from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the evenings we thought she might die, we called pastor um, and he came up and because we're like, we believe she will be in heaven. But I'm like, Randy, do you, do you know where that verse is? Like, I don't know. Like, that's yeah. not a verse you learn at Awana yeah. or, you know, like, I, like, and, you know, we were a little bit stumped and um, for him to just come up and he was so calm and wise and loving and you know i still remember what he shared to this day you know there's no chapter verse but here are the two reasons why i believe and and it made perfect sense to us and you know we had we had some amazing amazing times you know i remember also talking about the difference um you did a sermon series on living in the tension, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, which pretty much summarized mm -hmm. how we decided McKinley's life, you know, the philosophy or the belief behind it, because, you know, one, 
one idea is God created her perfectly mm -hmm. in his image, but she had this heart defect. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so her creation was for a different purpose, mm -hmm. you know, and then Randy was at that point on that day, that afternoon, he's like, no, that is not right. Her heart defect is a result of sin and sin in this world also very scripturally true and the truth is is in the middle you know it's it's a venn diagram yeah. and um and you know like i said about my leg earlier like wrestling with these big topics and not having a a chapter verse answer mm -hmm. is is so important it's challenging and that's where you have to rely on the relationship and the emotional connection, the faith connection. It, you know, for Randy's and sharing in his testimony, right? He likes the cerebral, the the thinking part of it. And I like it too, to a point, but I but then I can feel it too. And yeah. he's also, but anyway. Well, the head is important, but there's also 18 inches from the head to the heart. Mm -hmm. And along right. 18 inches. Yeah. Yeah. And it can, sometimes that's a longer journey mm -hmm. for some than for others, but it's a, both are important. Yeah. Sounds like you had a, a really wise pastor that got sent oh, your way. And so wonderful. So, you know, looking back, you, your daughters are grown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you're both still very actively involved, ear to the ground, high school, social work, um, mature believers been through some real trial. And of course, that's no guarantee that trial is not going to come in the future, right? We're all mature enough to know that. Yeah. But it does mean that you carry with you some markers that, um, that others may not. And so as you kind of look back and reflect, each of you, um, you, you reflect on that person that maybe they're going through this process of becoming spiritual mature. And it seems like all consuming, like, you know, they maybe they're living from campfire to campfire. Or, you know, they're just the, the roller coaster of emotion, or they're just now discovered theology, and they think it's all going to be answered through. You know, if I can just study all of the great theologians of the world, and let me go tell you know the leaders what they don't know because I've just I'm that smart. And you've kind of been through all that, and then having to learn what it is to have that grace, and and at the same time, God is changing you guys, and He's working in it through your marriage and ministering to each other and you're navigating all of those things. Um, what do you think is, what do you think are some of the keys to towards spiritual maturity that you think, boy, this can really help somebody going through it right now, kind of uh, maybe get some perspective or a heads up. You know, some things you can't shortcut, but some things it's just helpful for someone to go. Yeah. Let me just give you some perspective here. I don't know if I worded that well, but yeah, um, it was funny because it's funny because the first thing that comes to my mind is something that we say and you'll say it better than I do. But I think we got to remember to laugh sometimes mm. um, and not that that does not mean to be dismissive to faith or right. a quest for spiritual maturity or things spiritual. Um, but I think sometimes we just need to step back and chuckle a little bit. Um, in, in the context of family, in the context of relationship. Um, I'm so glad you said that. You know, that doesn't come up very often, but I just want to point out that's actually really important. And the reason for it is uh, when you don't take everything seriously, you know what to take seriously. And it can, it can provide not just a release. We tend to think of laughter as a release, and it is. But um, it's also a way of just kind of reminding yourself that there's a humanity in this and sometimes that's that's the option that's open to you and it allows you to focus in ways you otherwise couldn't and yeah i mean i think we've just seen the power of i mean we you know small groups bible studies life groups whatever term it is um over the years uh those are those relationships are the ones that have allowed the iron to sharpen iron mm. um, that have allowed me to have guys that I could call on in a moment's notice and my wife to have the girlfriends that she's gone deep with. Um, and that would be, and to me, that's an encouragement. So one laugh, but two, get with people of, of like mind who are, 
willing to walk with you through life. Mm. Um, and that's nothing new, I think, to this body here. Um, but I still think worth mm-hmm. worth mentioning because we've seen how that has been, you know, the we've just seen how that has been powerful in our lives. It was some of those people at the time at that church in Oak Park or people that <clears throat> we had been in small group with when we were first living out here before we moved to Berwyn. Um, you know, and, and since then, a couple different small groups of people that like, these are, they're like our peeps and they'll call us on stuff and we can call them on stuff. And I think can... that is so worth mentioning. We just came through a, a, a whole year where people were isolated and some yeah. people use mm-hmm. that as an excuse to say, well, maybe it doesn't matter until you realize that it actually does matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I would say take the time to make sure you have relationships um, with certainly the marriage relationship, but outside of the marriage relationship, those friendships mm-hmm. that are pointing you to God, you are laughing, you are being respectful of your spouse um, to one another. But I think a big one for me is um, obedience to the Lord. Mm. Um, it's a choice. Obedience mm. is a choice. Mm. So and, good. So good. Um, you know, when Randy was saying, like, we, through McKinley's life, was for sure the hardest thing ever. And um, I remember choosing to obey and choosing to trust also being pretty vocal about my unhappiness with god's choice too but um that's okay god's shoulders are big enough right that's the thing you learn as a believer is that god can handle this absolutely as long as our obedience also follows yeah and it has to um so obedience and and doing the right thing Mm. like i'm you guys are an inspiration. You're fun to talk to. You have a clear love for each other. And but thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Um, listener, man, again, gold in, in this interview. If you're listening, not just at the tips at the end, but please listen to this journey throughout because there's some really, really solid stuff in there that I think is going to help you uh, navigate um, what is often a pretty complicated world and a place. And uh, if you do get a chance to go back, um, uh, I just want to encourage you to be reminded that even Larry Boy had to trust God. Boom! There it is. I knew Larry Boy brought it back. It's a Veggie Tale joke. You're welcome. I'm just playing. That was good. I'm that just was playing. Good. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you.